<laughs> oh boy. Ryan, why are you all out of breath, Ooh, dude? I just uh ran in from downtown. I was at the I was at the lockdown protest with all, all my fellow patriots. Oh yeah. It's uh I, did you see anybody there that uh, was dressed like a slave like they was asked to do? I did not. No. Any pictures of any senior citizens in internment camps? Not not that I saw. Oh. What what's with the outfit, Ryan? What what are you wearing? Uh oh this? Yeah, that old thing. Uh don't worry about it. And welcome back, everyone, to the Square Podcast Orange Zone Edition. We will be talking, of course, about the aforementioned Orange Zone. And, yep, yep, give it the slide whistle, Ryan. Um, but first, I think we want to talk about non-COVID stuff, guys. What, what, the, what the hell else is going on? Nothing. That's it. That's all it is. Everything's shut down. There's not a goddamn thing going on besides COVID. <laughs> wow oh no you know what uh uh i know this because uh it's important to my family it's a, it's one of the big things that happens in 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 uh november each year um for them now in november there's lots of things that happen that most people pay attention to there's election day there's veterans day there's thanksgiving but the most important thing for the most of the men in my family is shotgun season for white-tailed deer in new york state now, wait a minute, Jim. I've heard conflicting reports that it's either duck season or wabbit season. Mm-hmm. But you're saying it's deer season. It is deer season right now, baby. All right. And that just means more venison for me sooner or later. Uh, my, my father is at the cabin, the uh, our remote studio in Cuba. Mm-hmm. Our Cuba command center. Uh, he's out there right now hunting away. Which, which I, th- I think that's my plan in case the world ever kind of you know society breaks apart I'm, I'm going right to cuba me too yeah well wait wait wait. hold on mm-hmm. we're going to not cuba if anybody's listening oh we don't oh. want to give the listeners our location oh i just blew it fucked up man oh, now they're gonna shit. follow us now we're gonna have like a whole commune of people in, in cuba yeah i, I deserve give that. it the slide I whistle ryan slide whistle. no we're gonna be in mashias yeah. yeah, we're gonna we're gonna start over again in Mashias, everybody. Meet we'll, us there. We'll be shitting our dicks there for everybody to follow us. <laughs> yeah, uh, deer, deer season, deer season. It's a, uh, it's. I I was looking into uh, deer season. The first time in New York State that they uh, like uh, put any requirements on uh, hunting or put any restrictions on hunting was like eighteen thirteen or something crazy. Like it's been. It's been over 200 years that there's been a specific deer season in New York State. Now, is, is one of the laws that you've got to wear a black outfit with a, with a hat with, a, like, a belt loop around it? Um, no, you, gotta, you have to wear antlers. Oh, antlers. And a brown jacket. <laughs> and 
You have okay. to you have to slowly when your friends are out there, slowly kind of like meander through some bushes towards them. Now what I on all fours. What I always wondered is it's right around Thanksgiving. Why isn't it turkey season? Why is it deer season? What, That's a great question, what Ryan. Gives? Jim is our resident uh, expert on hunting here. Why is it not turkey season? It is turkey season in the fall. Well, in the fall, and there's there's fall turkey season and spring turkey season. Well, you gotta you gotta use it up before Thanksgiving. Starts, right? Yeah. Right? But I mean, why can't you have venison for Thanksgiving? Well, you could, but I mean, traditionally, it's 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 turkey, and I would like to take my whole family, little kids included, to go butcher a turkey prior to my Thanksgiving right. meal. Well, let's touch on that a little bit, Ryan, because traditionally Thanksgiving is turkey, and that's all well and good. Mm -hmm. This year, with everybody's plans interrupted, I know that there's going to be a lot of... Or if if you're a vegan, holiday loaf. Holiday loaf, sure. But there's a lot of alternative planning this year, and there's going to be a lot of non-turkey dishes. Are we seeing, like, a changing of the guard Mm -hmm. this year? Are we going to see, like, like, turkey as the traditional dish maybe being replaced is just like a free-for-all horse. Ho- well, okay. Uh, again, the official position of the Square Podcast is no to horse. Excuse me. It smells like horse. <laughs> but no, I, I don't see any reason to not eat horse. No, this is not a democracy. So I, I say, you know, we, we abolish turkey. It's fine. I like turkey. Erdogan's got to go. Er, 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 Erdogan's mm-hmm. got to go. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's for oh boy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Any Turkish listeners? Mm-hmm. We're we're going to Mashias. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Istanbul, not Constantinople. Yes. Uh, no. Um, Thanksgiving, like, ah, uh, yeah. I mean, turkeys. The problem with turkeys is that like, it's a big meal for for a lot of people. If you're gonna follow the guidelines, or you're even if you're not, even if you don't care about the guidelines, you're just like. I don't care what the guidelines say. I just want to be responsible. I don't want people to die. People that I love, I don't want to die. You know, like, I know for, like, for a fact for myself, like, the household that I live in, there's four of us, four adults. We have a 21 fucking pound turkey for four of us. You're going to be eating turkey till, like, fucking... I'll be shitting turkey for weeks. (laughs) You'll be eating it till, like, you know middle of february basically at that rate yeah no it's it's a weird year i think we're all rethinking a lot of things i officially put the kibosh on my family's thanksgiving because you know what the hell like even if it's even if it's not a gathering of 10 people as uh as the the governor says um it's not worth it it's not worth the risk it's not worth the stress it it doesn't feel the same and i think I, i read an article about Uh, I think it was on Defector about why people aren't tuning in to sports that viewership for things like the masters is down and sports across the board viewership has been down. And the idea is that like your life has been interrupted. So it doesn't feel like time to watch sports because the world doesn't feel like the same place anymore right now. Like until you're back somewhere normal, it just doesn't feel right watching the sports on TV or whatever. And I think there's something to that with Thanksgiving. Honestly, like one of the things that helps keep us together and helps keep that sense of community is, is having holidays. But right now we're in a world that's just like completely devoid of any normalcy. So even the basic idea of like a holiday, just it feels weird and perverse to be celebrating Thanksgiving right now. I don't know about you guys. 
Well, that's that's normally how I operate. Is weird and perverse. I mean, and I'll, not in a cool way. Oh. <laughs> What I'm going to miss more than anything else is the, the night before Thanksgiving, the biggest drinking night of the year. Mm-hmm. Oh God! Usually I'm, I'm usually like at the old pink, just at the pink, definitely oh. at the pink, and it's packed. You can't move because everybody's home from college for the first break since they got started. If you're an asshole like me, you might go to the world's largest disco, which mm. was also canceled oh. this year. Which you know, say what you will. But my God, I don't think I've ever had so much fun uh, as the years I went to the world's largest disco. No, I was there once. I'll never go back because they have like a big buffet outside the thing, right? So, and then it just ends up smelling like fucking buffet in the whole place. Well, what's tough about it is they've got like porta potties yeah, lined up inside. Yeah. So like, it's just, there's a whole wall of, you know, shitters in the middle of the I just building. Couldn't, I couldn't stand the, the smell. Is that that so mix that with like thrift store clothes, seventies thrift store clothes, that kind of you drink enough, Ryan, smell. you can <laughs> smell anything. You can I tolerate just, the smell well, of anything. Well, dude. I, I, I get I get that people shit their dicks over it every year. Mm-hmm. Not for me. I mean, the worst part about it was how fucking expensive it is. I know it all goes to charity or whatever they say. It's also like a seventy five seventy five dollar ticket for you know. Two drink tickets is really mm-hmm. what you get. You get entry and then you get two drink tickets and then the actual drinks are like 10 bucks a pop. But you know what? I Fuck, I would go to that tomorrow if the world were safe enough to do sure. it. I am. I just miss any and all thing that resembles normalcy in my life and I get why people don't want to do Thanksgiving even if they can safely do it like with gatherings of less than 10 people. It's just like, oh. I Look, I also get why people want to do Thanksgiving because COVID's been going on for eight fucking months now and you're just <coughs> sick of it and you want to get on with your lives and we can't. We have to be fucking vigilant. Like, if if we just get on with our lives, instead of 250,000 people dying, it's going to be 500,000. It's going to be over 300,000 by Christmas. I mean, you know, they say that uh, the numbers show up like two weeks after the fucking event and that's what's going to happen with thanksgiving um is that in two weeks after thanksgiving it'll be around i don't know whatever and the numbers will show up that's we're going to talk more about covid later i don't need to talk about it now but let, let, let's lighten the mood a bit re what can you what do you usually have on your thanksgiving table spread in, in the normal times oh we're pretty we're pretty straightforward <laughs> I have a family of kind of picky eaters. Like, I'll eat anything, but my mom's real particular, and my brother's, like, kind of picky. So, usually we'll do a turkey. Some some years we do a ham, just because it's so much easier. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, the classic stuffing, mashed potatoes, corn, corn or green beans, something like that. Um, we don't really do, unfortunately, any kind of sweet potato stuff, which I love, but the rest of the family is not really into and then some kind of pie at the end, but very, very you know by the book classic Thanksgiving stuff. How about I, you, Jim? Anything? I, I didn't wild? hear cranberry sauce from you. Oh, oh there's oh there. Okay, I'm the only one who likes the cranberry sauce, oh. so I am insistent that we get the jar of mm-hmm. the cranberry. It's I want beautiful. it. You crack that sucker open. You have your cranberry loaf plop out on the plate, and I could eat it all. I will eat the whole can of cranberry right, with, sauce. The, with the ridges. Yeah. Um, I was I was mentioning to Ryan earlier today actually that one of the big traditions that's happened in my family that I love about Thanksgiving now, and I love Thanksgiving because 
um, when I was a kid, each of my dad's relative, each of my dad's siblings hosted one particular holiday, and Thanksgiving was our holiday that we hosted every single year. So it meant that the house was real busy, and we were, you know, everything was done, and it was decorated, and all that nonsense. But one of the things I was mentioned to Ryan earlier that happens now is my mother makes like four times the amount of stuffing she'll need for Thanksgiving for Thanksgiving now. And the purpose of it is, is because the day after Thanksgiving, she takes the leftover stuffing, puts it in the fucking waffle iron and makes waffles out of stuffing and puts like shredded turkey and gravy over it. And we have savory waffles for the, the breakfast the day after Thanksgiving. Oh, baby. I mean, that sounds incredible. It's just so let's, good. It's so let's good. Let's give her a round of applause. That's that's something else, man. That's that's extremely inspired. I wish I wish my family did something like that. But um, so that's the that's the main thing. Because other than that, like yeah, it you know, turkey, gravy, mashed potatoes. We usually have green beans and corn. We're living in Lancaster. That's sex large. Yeah, yeah get a little crazy. Right. Yeah. It's uh, white chews. Mm-hmm. Um, don't do any sweet potato things. Don't do the brown and serve rolls. No. Uh, we used to do the brown and serve rolls when it was a big family event and all the aunts and uncles would come over um, because I had a couple of aunts who loved the brown and serve rolls. Um, it, uh, we also, notably, because my aunts don't come over, we don't have peach schnapps there anymore. <laughs> but that used to be something that was always available. Um, we'll definitely have Old Man Winter, though, this year. You guys had the Old Man Winter this season? I have not. It's pretty good. It's pretty good. Southern tier. Yeah, I have. It's great. Yeah. Ryan, what's on your plate uh, Thanksgiving? All the normal stuff, all the traditional stuff. What 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 I really get off on is beating the shit out of other people, waiting to buy cheap stuff at stores. Mm. And I'm not going to be able to get to do that this year. No Black Friday for you? Yeah, no. Are, are, were you, are, are we, so are we saying that between the three of us, we have no sweet potatoes? No sweet potatoes. It's a crime. I well, mean, we, I'm we not the, by my choice. We are, we are like the three worst fucking people on earth. I mean, I don't without hate, a doubt. I don't hate sweet potatoes, but it's just not on my menu. Sweet potatoes are so good. So I, I love Thanksgiving, but man, I, I must have ten thousand calories that day. Oh yeah, my wife and I, we both have divorced parents, so it's like something like four Thanksgivings every holidays times four. So it's Thanksgiving. We generally split up. Christmas, that's where it gets. Got to see everyone on Christmas. Do you guys think Thanksgiving and Christmas are too close? Because what what prompts this is that the Canadian Thanksgiving is in October, and then they have two months, and then there's Christmas, and that feels like appropriate holiday time. But there's a month between Thanksgiving in America and Christmas. I think that's too close. I I like it just because, like, once Thanksgiving hits, you're basically in, like, it's like the last leg of a marathon, and it's time to sprint towards Christmas. Like December is a blur to me. Every single year, December is a blur to me because you're just it's rushing towards Christmas time. And you know, I mean, there's there's minor remembrances or holidays at the beginning of December. Saint Nicholas Day. I remember as a kid, we always tried to encourage our parents to celebrate just because we thought it made it be extra presents. What it really meant is that they would give us one of the presents they were going to give us on Christmas early, um, which still worked out for us because it was like ugh, early present. You know, as soon as I got a G.I. Joe guy, like, fuck yeah, baby. St. Nicholas Day. Take that, Danes. <laughs> All right, that's a fair point. I just feel like I eat a ton of food at the end of November. 
And then I eat a ton of food. So you're talking diet-wise. It's too much. I guess diet-wise. And also, there's like the, again, not a problem this year. But in general, when you're like trying to get together with the family, you know, I don't know. Especially if you're a family that does like extended family Thanksgivings or Christmases where you're trying to coordinate like, are we all going to get together for Thanksgiving? And then are we all going to get together for Christmas? Like having them so close. I don't know. Like my Thanksgiving, my family and Christmas, it's just like a small group of us, probably like five or six of us. But I know people with the big families, it's got to be a pain in the ass coordinating. I will guess, I'll I'll, I'll wager that for, say, my sister and brother-in-law who live in Portland, Maine, if, if they come back for Thanksgiving or Christmas, they're only coming back for one. And because they're so close, they can get away with that. If... Thanksgiving and Christmas, two of the biggest holidays in the United States as far as celebrate, were like three months apart. They would be under undue pressure to come back for both of them. Make the eight-hour fucking drive from Portland through New Hampshire and through Massachusetts down the boring S90. So you're saying they don't come back down for President's Day? Well, they do. (coughs) But that's just because we celebrate James A. Garfield. And his love for lasagna. Uh, <laughs> yeah, no, Thanksgiving, just not going to be the same this year. It's it's uh, it's a real bummer, but, you know, we'll do what we can. Um, be safe, obviously, whatever. It's fine. What else is going on, Jim? Give us some, uh, some other local happenings. Well, uh, one of the things I want to talk about, I, again, you know, we're not the sports podcast, but I want to talk about two sports things real quick. Um our boys and yours, the UB Bulls, the men's football team, uh, off to, I think, a 3-0 start at this point, and, and just rolling. I mean, this past week, the running back had over 300 yards rushing and four touchdowns. Um, they're just crushing it. Now, because of COVID, and they've got a shortened season, they're only playing six games. I did not know that. So they're halfway to an undefeated season. So I assume they're going to make the college football playoffs if they go undefeated. You know, as a college football fan, this year I haven't been following it as closely. Like I watched, I watched Notre Dame beat Clemson. Let's be real. But other than that, I haven't really been paying attention too much, just because we live in weird, bizarro world times, and it's just really tough to watch these guys go out there already putting their bodies on the line without getting paid, and now it's just like this infection risk. Mm-hmm. constantly. Um, so I haven't been following it too closely, but I do know that there's all sorts of weird teams that have cracked like the top 25 um, teams you, you wouldn't normally see, but because of COVID, you know, it's kind of mixed up the whole football, college football world. Right. I mean, uh, uh, yesterday, Indiana played Ohio State and it was the number f- nine, Indiana, number right? nine, Indiana. It was the first time they were both ranked in the top 10. In history, when they played each other, wild, just crazy. Um, and Indiana almost came back to win that game. It was very close, um, but uh, no. It, it, UB actually, I know I looked at this week in you know in the uh, I think of the AP poll. You know the the others receiving votes, and UB was actually receiving votes towards the top twenty five. Wild. I mean. Crazy days when the UB Bulls are receiving votes for the top 25. You know, it's one of those things. They're no liberty. They're no liberty. 
No, again, not a sports podcast here, but I don't know. UB is one of those schools where it's such a huge school in a state like New York. And honestly, like what other football program in the state really is, is like has as many, I don't know, students or has access to, am I, am I blanking on something? Like, if, no, I mean, uh, UB is considerably larger than Syracuse. Right. I mean, Syracuse obviously is the higher profile right. school and they're in the bigger conference. But like, if you look at it, like UB has such a huge base and you can recruit from a lot of different places. So like UB maybe putting itself on the map someday, I think, I hope is, is inevitable. I would love to see the profile of, you know, UB to be like a, I don't think it's going to be a college football powerhouse anytime soon, but I do think it could be like a program on the map. Right. That could be a program that occasionally makes a top 25, like, like a Marshall. Sure. Right. Like a Marshall, like every 10 years, Marshall shows up and they're like ranked like number 22 in the country. I just think you'd be so much bigger than that though. You know, like I, I even think like a USF, like South Florida, they could be a program that, that, you know, should be in the top 25 every like three or four years at least. No, absolutely. I mean, they. It's New York being as big of a state as it is. UB being as big of a university as it is. The money being there, you know, they just need the deep pocket alums, who just throw money at the football program, is what they're lacking. Speaking of college sports, Jim, how about your beloved Bonaventure Bonnies? What's going on with them, man? Um, rough week for the Bonnies this week. They uh, had a positive COVID test on a tier one. Uh, individual is what they said. Uh, That means either a player or an assistant coach or a coach or a trainer. Uh, They didn't disclose who it was, but they had to uh, suspend all basketball activities and they had to withdraw from the Bubbleville tournament at Mohegan Sun that they were going to play in. So their first three games of the season are now they had to withdraw from. So the Bonnies are a team that, I mean, yeah, every, I don't know, maybe three or four years makes a big run. Was this supposed to be the year for them that they were really they going to do something special? Um, it, this year and next, um, they've, got, they've got two juniors who made the all-conference, uh, preseason all-conference team. Um, so this year and next year are, are big years for them uh, with Lofton and Asunyi. Um, and notably, like their their two star players on their team happen to be center and point guard, maybe the two most important positions in college basketball. Um, so uh, these guys were freshmen together. They've been starters since freshman year. Um, they've really developed quite a bit. Uh, and in Bonnie news, also for anybody who really cares, uh, Bonnie graduate Jalen Adams signed a two year contract, two way contract with the Milwaukee Bucks yesterday. Um, That's pretty cool. Yeah, I mean, if if you're going to sign a two-way contract with any team right now, you know, the Bucks are one of those teams with, with Giannis that you'd want to be potentially playing for. Absolutely. Um, want to pivot it real quick before we get into the meat of the topic here. Just just real quick, check in on the local political scene. Um, obviously, we, we do a lot of that on our Vegetables episodes, but what what's going on? In the world of local politics, Jim, anything uh, worth mentioning this week? Well, um, there's what? uh, India Watson, is that her name? I believe so. I think that's her name. Uh, Announced that she's running for mayor. She's a community activist. She's 
she's an activist for the Fruit Belt neighborhood. She's a Fruit Belt neighborhood resident and a nurse. Um, I know that in some of the circles that I run in um, with community activists and community organizations, um, they're heralding this as a, as a huge first step, really supporting her. Obviously, the mayor hasn't announced whether yet whether or not he's going to uh, seek a fifth term. It would be surprising if he didn't seek a fifth term. Well, and the thing with Byron Brown is it feels like he's just been waiting for so long for the call that never came. Like, either in the governor's office or potentially part of, I, I think there was rumors, even, was it the Obama administration at one point where there rumblings about that, or am I just making no, that No, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think those rumblings came from the mayor's office himself, but... Right. I mean, it seems for so long that he's been kind of in a holding pattern here and, you know, primarily been able to sort of take some of the success for Buffalo's revitalization, as we talked about a couple weeks ago, what that means. But he's really, you know, been waiting for something bigger, it seems like, and has never failed to be at a press conference or, you know, put himself on television. But at this point in his career, I think it's fair to ask, like, what is Byron Brown's next step? And if the next step is just to stay here and be the mayor, how much goodwill does he have left? Well, I mean, I don't know if you guys saw the front page of the Buffalo News today, but there's apparently an FBI investigation into some of the donors from Modern Corporation, the uh, recycling and uh, trash company. company and whether or not they were getting contracts to the city and their donations to the mayor and the FBI is investigating this. Does it have anything to do with like the FBI taking boxes out of city hall? Like a few months ago, you remember those clips? You know, I mean, who knows the FBI takes boxes out of lots of places. Um, as Richard Jewell could attest to, if you were alive, not, not friends of the pod FBI. Yeah. Definitely not friends of the pod FBI. Although Bernie Tolbert, former director of the FBI, Friend friend of the pod. It's, it's hard to say what's going to happen with the mayoral race. Um, you know, we'll talk about that as it gets a little bit closer. But it's going to be fascinating to see where Byron Brown goes. I, I think, too, that he does run for another term. And I think if he runs, unfortunately, you know, he probably wins fairly handily. But we live in such a fucking strange time that I think anything could happen. And I think the next few months or year or whatever could look a lot different. And what is encouraging, and unfortunately I'm not too familiar with, um, you know, Miss Watson or any of her, um, you know, particular causes. I, I'm familiar with the causes, but I'm not, you know, familiar with her work, to be honest with you. I don't know her. But I do think it's encouraging that we're seeing somebody from what we consider to be that activist community take that next step. Because I know it's very difficult to breach that world of electoral politics, especially if you're a woman. Like, it is, in fact, in many ways, an old boys club. And to be a woman of color who says, hey, I'm going to go, I'm going to do this, I'm going to put my resources and time and effort and energy into this is incredible. And it's going to be a slog and it's going to be real tough. But we live in such a weird and upended time that now's the time for it more than any other time. I think that 
a candidacy like that could be successful because we're all sort of reevaluating what state and local governments do and what they look like in this time of COVID response. Like, what does it mean to have a local government? But it's what it's going to be down to is is how much money can she raise? And how much earned media can she get? Now, she's got a lot of press off of her announcement that she's running for mayor. I, I've seen it for all three TV stations. I've seen it for the radio stations. The Buffalo News did an article about it. Um, that's a that's a pretty good amount of press for somebody who is relative unknown that, said, that announced they're running for mayor. I mean, if I announced I was running for fucking governor yesterday, I don't think I'd get that much press. But she's got a lot of press that uh, you know, so far, so that lends a legitimacy to her campaign that that simply you can't get without that kind of media coverage. And if she can get, if she can raise money so that she can do radio and TV ads, I mean, those earned media and television ads are probably the two most effective ways of campaigning. I, you know, as much as it's going to hurt some of my friends who think that, you know, door knocking and making phone calls are the way to win campaigns. They're really, as far as like dollars spent per vote, they're not as effective as TV or earned media. No, I mean, having worked on political campaigns in my life, like I'm not going to dismiss the power of the door-to-door stuff. I mean, I think that's, ultimately, I think that's what wins you elections in the trenches, like, I think when the margins come down to it, I think that does actually matter. But I think overall for a campaign, you're not going to get the you're not going to get the fire started without getting like that earned or, you know, that press attention. It's just not going to happen if people don't know who you are and the primary medium that they get to know you is through like television and news organizations. Like That's how they get to know your name. Right. And what's. Noteworthy for her is that she's gotten press from the major media outlets in the city. It's not like it's just in the investigative posts or the public running articles about her. I mean, the alternative media will cover minor party candidates, but this is not who's covering her. She's being covered by WBFO and WBEN and WGRZ and WIVB and WKBW. I mean, she's getting the press and, and, you know, a big article in the Buffalo News about her. Um, now, whether she can continue to get that kind of press, we'll see. If she's able to get that press on a regular basis, that is when you have the recipe for an upset. That was what AOC was able to do so successfully in her first campaign when she ran that primary, is that she earned a lot of media. She raised a lot of money. She did a lot of hard uh, door knocking and phone calls. And she did every step of the campaign that you need to do. But the main thing that she was able to pull off is that she got on earned media, which lended a lot, an air of credibility to her campaign that you couldn't just necessarily get. And for somebody like AOC, who is as young as she is, without a resume that screams, I should be a member of Congress, um, and as a person of color, that credibility and legitimacy that she was given by the media really helped her i think in that campaign absolutely and the other factor here too is you know we've had our ear to the ground for quite some time about this and have heard the rumblings of maybe tim kennedy runs for mayor 
Like that's always been in the offing for the past few years is that he might make that move. How does that factor in if you have two entrenched politicians like Tim Kennedy and Byron Brown and then a candidate like India Watson? Well, I, I don't think Tim would run against Byron because they're allies. I think they're close allies. But if Byron decided he was not going to run, you could see uh, Tim Kennedy versus Darius Pridgen. Which would be quite the fucking battle, and then that does open up a, a, a third lane for an India Watson. Really fascinating stuff. I mean, it's I know everybody love listens to us just for the politics. They love it just as much as I do. Um, but you know, as twenty twenty one unfolds, and there's going to be a lot of interesting things coming up with different races, including the mayor's race. So. Expect to get more vegetables than you ever wanted. Well, and and maybe we'll get some candy in there too, Jim, because as we're talking about uh, political races of the future, let's not move too far away from the political races of the past. Can I just ask that my vegetables be covered in Frank's Red Hot? R- Ryan, I think we can oblige. We can put a hot sauce on your vegetables. Speaking of hot sauce on your vegetables, let's talk about uh, Nate McMurray. Private citizen Nate McMurray, uh, still Nate McMurray for Congress 2020 on Twitter. Uh, yeah, Nader went on a, a whole big, <laughs> I'm looking at it, about 30 tweet tweet storm about uh, open letter, what's next? And boy, there's apparently there's a lot that's next. Um, just to give you a sampling of these things. And again, this is all out of love. We love you, Nate. But my God, are you great for content for us? So... Nate McMurray, uh, maybe about 10 tweets in, finally gets to the questions that we're all asking. Uh, number one, what will I do next? Get a job. Okay. I, I hope he get says... A, get a job, son. Get a job, son. He says, uh, here, I'm searching and I have some prospects. I'm trying to stay close or at least retain some connection to Western New York. That's giving me the most problems. We all know the job market here isn't great. And I feel you, Nate, like as somebody who has searched for a job here in Buffalo, it is a, oh my God, it's a beast. It, mm-hmm. it sucks. Man, uh, imagine if he had some connections, like say, say he would have been the candidate for Congress for a major party. I know he really would have a leg up on these things. And in fact, his next tweet, would I like to work for the Biden administration? Uh, yes, absolutely. But I'm a realist. Those jobs are hard to come by and have limited salaries. I understand that he has to fill thousands of posts and my experience, especially my language abilities, legal and business experience and cultural expertise are rare, even in the hyper competitive world of upper upper echelon politics. But I am not politically connected, an outsider. So we will see. So Nate just openly pandering to the Biden administration. Will you hire me? I don't know. I have rare skills. Did he at Joe Biden? He did not. He's okay. hoping that Joe Biden name searches. Right. That's that 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 they've got somebody on the Joe Biden name search, and they're like, "Holy shit! Did you see this dude up in New York twenty seven? He's got some unique skills, languages, business." Well, the second question that everybody's asking, and you know, it's not far from my mind at any point in time as we talk about future races. Two, will I run for office again? Yes, I just can't say when or for what office. I will definitely not let Chris Jacobs, 
after that cowardly campaign, get a free pass. I'm going to hold him accountable every step of the way, no matter what I do next. Please help me do the same. And then (laughs) next tweet, let's get him to quit. No joke. I saw his face in that debate we had. He can't handle pressure or public humiliation. He will crack. He just wants to be loved. Accountability and work ain't his thing. So Nate McMurray pinning his hopes that Chris Jacobs, who comes from like a long line of like fucking money and entrenched interest, is just going to quit one day because his feelings are hurt. You know what I think would up Nate McMurray's like cachet more than anything else is just getting into getting real shit face drunk in a bar and getting into a bar fight one night. Taking his shirt off. Yeah, taking yeah. his shirt taking off. Taking his shirt off. Showing off his brand new tattoo. I yeah. heart New York 27. Yeah. And, Which and, he got before and, the election results came in, yeah. expecting that he would win. Right, and then just getting into a fight in Warsaw, New York. Warsaw, New York, like beating the shit out of the, someone. The Whale Center some, Hotel. Yeah, some troll who is like talking shit to him. I got to get my boy at Buffalo Troll, the, the god, uh, here to to provoke Nate McMurray yeah. into a fight. Because we all, we all want that Nate McMurray... Uh, shirtless shot. Someone needs to fuck around. And we want to see the pecs, Nate. Show us the goods. We know the night that you lost that election, you know, you were just crying and doing like 200 push-ups. You did your wad. Just like Nelson Mandela. Yeah, just like, yes, you probably have a poster of Nelson Mandela and we're looking at it the whole time. Just keep those pecs buttered up until you get into that fight. Make sure someone's there to I, get I it can't on video. Belie- I can't believe... I cannot believe that he thinks that Chris Jacobs is going to quit being a member of Congress. Just to say, mm, it's fucking hard. Never knew it would be this hard. I'll quit. There's not a chance in hell that he quits. I got a better, I got a better chance of curing AIDS than Chris Jacobs does of quitting Congress. Well, this leads to uh, Nate's next question for reflection here. Will I run for Congress in two years? Maybe. Never say never. I know the popular opinion is that I just lost. Maybe I should back off. Nope. I have never demonstrated a care for political ladder climbing after he says the Biden administration should hire him. I've never cared for political ladder climbing. I hate ring kissing, platitude sharing, self-serving politics. Sure, I lost, but I lost a fight that no other established politician had the guts to take on. In fact, most of them stood by and watched, nose in the air, unwilling to get their fingers dirty. I wear the NY27 fight as a badge of honor, and I know many of you do too. And I want to give a little props today, because I think on some level he is right. Like, that race, what many would identify as a a pretty critical race, um, not that I think Nate had the best chances of winning, and so I can understand why people weren't as invested in helping him, but he did seem to be kind of on the island, right? Like, is that fair to say? Oh, yeah. He, I mean, look, it's it's the most Republican district in New York State. It's been gerrymandered to be that way. It, it is considered to be essentially an unwinnable district for the Democrats. You know, real clear politics, 538, Politico, it's all with, as a very safe Republican district. So, yeah, he was out on an island because people go, well, he's got no chance to win. Had he won, people would have been kissing his ass like it was no fucking tomorrow. But 
They expected him to lose. I expected him to lose. I didn't kiss his ass. I mean, I would love to have him on the show. I think he's I will fascinating. Kiss, yes, I will kiss your ass to get you on the show, Nate. I, I, I think he's fascinating. Um, But, yeah, no, he was definitely left on an island out there. I mean, I, he was definitely abandoned. He wasn't given the infrastructure. You, you saw local elected officials rallying around each other in certain races, um, and especially where they overlap, certain Assembly and Senate members rallying together to share resources. And you you just didn't really see that in the 27th Congressional District. Part of it is, to be fair, um, because it's such a Republican district, that for the most part, the parts of... West New York, where like the Assembly and Senate districts are also so heavily Republican that they are, I mean, that, that there just was no Democratic candidate or there was no real campaign. We're talking about like Pat Gallup in Senate district where I mentioned on the pre-election episode and the election episode that Jason Kleinbeck was the name of the guy who ran against him. And I didn't see a single fucking mailer. Who? Yeah, exactly. That I mean, not a single goddamn thing. I'm a prime dem out there. If anybody should have got a, a get out the vote email, phone call, mailer, something, I would have been the person to get it. You know, it overlaps with the David D. Pietro district who didn't even have a Democrat run against him. He was totally unopposed. Um, it, it's it's just such a heavily Republican district that he didn't have a lot of natural allies to who would work with him anyways. No, and I 100% agree with that. You know, I knew it was going to be a slog. I think he knew it was going to be a slog, especially having ran, you know, previously. But I just feel for the guy on a certain level that did not feel like he got the kind of infrastructure that a congressional candidate for a race like that should have gotten, especially considering, like, we talked about the results of that that special election could have been a cause for hope and Obviously, we saw that with the election, the coattail effect where, you know, the the presidential race is bringing in voters, maybe in that district worked the other way, Mm -hmm. that it wasn't bringing in Biden voters to come vote like more likely Trump voters were turning out. Really where he got worked over uh, by the committees and and by the uh, establishment was the special election. Had he received a bunch of support and the structure there, he may have been able to steal that. He would have had one of the shortest terms in history of Congress because he would have lost a general election. But he may have been able to steal it for a couple of months. Right. And just having the that incumbency could have given him, you know, more of a fighter's chance in this election. But mm-hmm. um I mean it if nothing else, it might have eliminated Jacobs as a candidate. Yeah. Yeah, that's certainly true, and it would have let the let the Republicans kind of scramble and, for a right. few months. And and then you know if if Jacobs doesn't run because he loses a special election and he throws a fit and he decides he's not going to run anymore, if it's if it's our boy Nate versus your boy Stefan, I mean, who knows how that goes because Stefan is hateable. And the next thing with Nate here, finally, so there's uh, question four. Uh, what does he say? He's something about starting a political action committee is what he wants to do. Oh yeah. What else am I thinking about? I want to form a political action committee, uh, to, to promote candidates that can keep us 
fight grammar issues here, Nate, that can keep us fighting for fight for our progressive values, keep the local Democrats honest and build powerful challengers to Republican incumbents and, um, you know, bring in more voters, young people, et cetera, you know, talks about how many new voters were actually Trump voters. And, you know, sure. Look, his heart's in the right place. He definitely mentions, um, like in Georgia, how they, you know, mobilized voters and really changed what the landscape looked like. I'm with you. You know, I'm with you, Nate. Any, even if the net benefit of your failed congressional runs, if you end up forming a political action committee and you can actually somehow reach people and get them to vote, because I think there is something to be said as much as we kind of like to clown around with them. There is a subsection of people here who really connected with Nate McMurray's campaign because it was such a social media heavy campaign that I think there was a lot of young people in the area who are like into him. Well, especially if if he can take his pack and reach out in the neighborhood that he was in and the the neighborhood region that he was in, that rural part of New York State, the Glow Counties, right? Um, Genesee, Livingston, Orleans, Wyoming. If he can start to turn, so at least get some turnout out and build towards maybe getting one Democrat on the town council board in the town of Bergen, right? Or one council member on the town board in the town of Elba and start to slowly build democratic bases in those rural communities. Well, then everything he did has been worth it, even if he was never a member of Congress. Because if the Democrats want to really represent the people of this country, they need to be espousing their progressive views to the rural residents of this country as well and selling them on it. And I think, I think the rural residents of this country generally favor the progressive ideas. They just don't think that they're the Democrats are the ones with the ideas. Yeah, no, I would agree with that wholeheartedly or that the Democrats have any interest in actually pursuing the ideas that they are espousing. Um, so I think there's something to be said about there could be a lot more long-term benefit from Nate McMurray's political uh, actions, his political ventures, even if he doesn't end up as a member of Congress. That Am I skeptical that he's able to raise money for a PAC that's effective? Yeah, a little bit. Well, I'm going to tell you where he's going to get that money for that pack, Jim. Oh, because his final question here, anything else? Uh, like I said, I'm writing a book. It's a book not just about NY27, but about Western New York. I'm trying to layer as much history and local perspective into it as possible because so much of our history is lost or forgotten. I think some people like it that way. I want to share a broader perspective about what we have been and what we can be. It's yet another big goal, but I've seen over and over in my life that lofty goals lead to great things and form small beginnings. <laughs> little Nate, uh, some typos here, a little editor for his tweets and from small beginnings, miracles can occur. I've written over 75,000 words already. And I'll tell you what, from, from these tweets alone, I would believe that <laughs> like this is a 30 fucking tweet. Uh, you know, storm here. I've written over 75,000 words already. Lots of editing to do. Also believe that. 
even if I have to publish it at home with a dot matrix printer, I'll get it out there. (laughs) So, so. imagine ripping off all the all the sides from from his. It would be so much fun. Yeah, it'd be so. It'd be a great time. Yeah, It, it is so. He's going to like hold the historical knowledge together for us. He's going to put it together because there are people who don't want it. So is he Bran and like there, there's a Night King out there who is trying to destroy all Western York knowledge? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, there's is somebody. It, is it Stefan Mihailo? Oh, he might. Be. That would explain. Stefan Night King Mihailo. That would explain a lot. Yeah. That would that would explain a lot about what what's going on and and what's what has happened here in Buffalo. So yeah, good luck to Nate with his book, and you know, hopefully he does turn all of his losing into a positive. And if he does turn out a book, please support your local book, bookstore and purchase. Yeah, it buy there. it from Talking Leaves yes. or somebody. Yeah, don't buy it from any of the the big schmucks. Right. Yeah, buy it from uh, Burning Books on Connecticut. Well, that's enough for Nate Watch this week, but we're certainly going to remain on the beat. Hey guys, on that note, let's uh let's have a little drink break, okay? But the big story on everybody's minds, folks, we are in the orange zone. Ooh. The orange zone. Yeah, it sucks. We're here. Said zones, Rod Sterling. Uh, yeah, no, we're in the orange zone. Uh, soon to be red zone. So what the fuck is the orange zone, Jim? Because for our listeners at home, just in case they're not sure what we're dealing with here, can you remind us? I'll I'll pull up the the little handy graphic chart that I have. Yeah, but. pull up the graphic chart. I mean, so we were in the yellow zone, or at least the majority of Erie County was in the yellow zone last week. And Okay, so I've Part got the it. Microclusters. The, the COVID cluster. So yellow zone, what could we do? Type of activity, well, at that point, houses of worship were at 50% capacity. Mass gatherings, 25 people maximum, indoor and outdoor. Businesses, open. All right. Dining, Indoor and outdoor dining, four-person max per table, and schools, open, mandatory weekly testing, DOH will set percentage by Friday. So that was the yellow zone. We are now in the orange zone. Most of Erie County is in the orange zone. Most There's of Erie some County. of Erie County is still in the yellow zone. So, as uh, when did the announcement come out? Last Wednesday? Yes. Past Wednesday. Um, the orange zone, Governor Cuomo has deemed most of Erie County including the city of Buffalo, um, I believe. I think Tonawanda was the only, like, sub, like first-ring suburb. North, North Tonawanda is yellow. North Tonawanda is yellow. Tonawanda is orange. Actual Tonawanda is orange. Okay. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, we're talking, yeah, the city, most of everything around it is in the orange zone, which means House of Worship are at 33% capacity with 25 people maximum, mass gatherings, 10 people maximum, indoor and outdoor, and we'll talk about the the Cuomo memes about that in just a second. Uh, Businesses, and here comes the fucking heartbreaker for some of us, closing high-risk, non-essential businesses, gyms. (sighs) Terrible. Personal care, which includes nail salons, 
uh, barbershops, etc. And then dining, outdoor dining only, four-person max per table, and schools are closed again. A lot of outdoor dining right now in the middle of November. What's crazy about the outdoor (laughs) dining is that so places are setting up like tents with walls. (laughs) Okay, great. Yeah. With walls. Mm -hmm. They're like, it's outdoors. (laughs) No, I'm I'm indoors now. You know, know, I mean... the shift between yellow and orange zone, they make it sound like a marginal shift. Like, oh, it's just a little bit worse. No, it's 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 basically the off switch. That's it. Especially I mean, in winter. I mean, red is really the off switch. Well, yeah. But I mean, it, I think the space between yellow and orange is much greater than orange and red. Right. Yeah. There, there should be a green zone as well. And green zone is where like everything's allowed. And you're like, yeah, you're just tiptoeing through the tulips. Yeah, I mean, we are, it's it's one of those things where it's just like, you knew for a while that we were just hurtling towards this point, that we were going to be, you know, most likely shutting down again. What is really frustrating to me about all this, like, okay, yes, am I, am I upset that the gyms are closed? Yes, it definitely impedes my quality of life. That being said, I understand. Fine. You got to do what you got to do to be safe. I'll do my calisthenic exercises. I'll do my my burpees. And I did 300 air squats the other day. Uh, isometric stretching? I'll do isometric stretching. Like, that's fine. But it just feels like... J- just make sure you, you dynamically warm up and you isometric stretch after a workout. Otherwise, right. you, you're risk of injury. Right. I just like to point that out. Steamed hams? Steamed hams. hams. Steamed hams. No, it's just like, it feels like everything about this whole pandemic response from the beginning, and it starts obviously with the federal government, but even on a state level, it feels so haphazard and it feels so... (sighs) The whole idea with the microclusters, and I'm not going to turn into one of those guys who's like, well, you know, whatever, but... I, I was under the understanding that it would be targeted, that it would be something where you identified problem areas, even within like a block or a stretch of blocks or something within a zip code. And then, you know, you could isolate those areas so as not to close down a whole swath of business right. in the I, region. I, I like when I first heard the term microcluster, I thought it was going to be by census district. And that would make sense. And again, like if it's if it's that bad where we need to shut down everything, that's fine. But what it feels like is going to happen is we're shutting down things once and then we're going to like creep out of this orange zone and then we're going to do it again. Mm-hmm. And that's the fear that I have. And I think a lot of people and I don't own a business or anything. I'm just some guy. But I know a lot of people who who have small businesses. I got, you got to feel for those people. Terrible, terrible situation for them. It, it, it truly is. And I know. Maybe in the circle of people that we know who, where we think of small business owners, you think of assholes. Like you just think of the worst MAGA people you can muster in your mind. But there's a lot of, there's a lot of not those people who own small businesses, who have jobs at places like barbershops, who, you know, this is their source of income and worrying about when they're going to close again and if they're going to fucking open their doors again. Well, and I do think that a lot of this is because there's been no federal response. 
Were there a concerted federal response where the federal government said, look, we're going to send money to every single person, every individual, so $1,200 or $2,000 or whatever the fucking amount is. I don't care if it was $600. I mean, I kind of care if it was $600. But I mean, I don't care if it was $600. They're going to send somebody, send each person money every month. And they, they also on top of that had robust packages towards the states to disperse money towards small businesses and pay for the state's deficits that all these states are going to have. All 50 states are going to have deficits because of this. And they were going to reimburse the states, cover their deficits so they could run a regular budget and give money to give directly to the business owners to basically pay them to not be open. Yeah. Then we would have a concerted effort. Then we would have, what we would have had is we would have had, we would have had like, six weeks or eight weeks of total shutdown and then we would have nothing that that would have been the ideal situation but this is being framed as a personal responsibility issue it it is being framed as a personal responsibility issue and that's nonsense it's you you can't be personally responsible for a fucking virus well and i want to i want to expand on that a little bit because governor cuomo's press conference this week wait a second are you talking about award-winning Governor Cuomo. Emmy award winning governor. Right. I I can't wait for him to get his Tony. (laughs) I can't wait till he gets his fucking Pulitzer for his book that he wrote about solving and curing coronavirus. Shall we uh, play a clip of his his, uh, his words? I think he's going to get a Newbery Award for like young writer. Young young adult. Young adult. (laughs) Play the clip, Ryan. Play, play, Play the clip. This is his words on the Western New York region. Personal opinion, Western New York never lived the full pain of a COVID's wrath. Boo. Yeah. Western New York read about New York City. They read about Long Island. They watched it on the TV news. But the numbers were never as bad in Western New York. And you want people to change dramatically their behavior. For me to make these dramatic changes in behavior, I have to believe this is real. And it wasn't real. Because it wasn't real to me. You know when it becomes real? When it's real to me. Man, it hasn't been real to me, but, you know, because he's yelling at me on the TV, I really feel it now. That fucking clip makes me want to become one of those, like, Western New York separatists. (laughs) Like, this fucking guy has the gall to come out here and say, oh, it hasn't been real in Western New York. Hey, fuck you, asshole. How many goddamn people have we see die, get sick? How many businesses shut down? How many people do I know where our lives have radically changed? So, okay, fine. You got to do what you got to do. You got to shut down places. And this is not to discount the, the experience of people in New York City. Right, means. right. No, absolutely not. Was it more severe in New York City than it was in West New York? Absolutely. Has it been real for people in West New York? Well, of course. What the fuck, man? Like, what kind of crazy fucking insane person is Andrew Cuomo to say that it wasn't real for people in West New York? That people in West New York haven't fucking died. That businesses haven't fucking closed. That 
You can't have that. That I couldn't go visit my fucking grandfather this year, and or he couldn't come up to visit anybody up here, and you, family events couldn't be had to be canceled because COVID wasn't fucking real. If it wasn't fucking real, then I wouldn't have done any of that goddamn shit. I would have been. God damn it, I would I don't know what I would have done. I mean, it's just this attitude that we're a bunch of fucking yokels who have no idea that, you know, oh, geez, this pandemic is ravaging the country and we can't go and do anything, but it's not real to us. And look, are there a lot of assholes out there who are out and about? Sure. But it doesn't mean it's not been real. It's been fucking real. We live it every goddamn day and this this fucking whole personal responsibility and scolding attitude i want to talk about that a little bit because i think it's i think it's infected people here too where we are in the middle of an absolutely fucking unprecedented time in the world time in our lives we our parents have not experienced something like this. Our grandparents, this hasn't been passed down to us like, hey, you know, this is how you deal with a pandemic. This is how you deal with the world completely shutting down and changing. Or a complete economic breakdown like we're experiencing right now. Not experienced. It's just like a total Maybe world. the Great Depression. But how long yeah. ago was that at this point? Right. Well, that's the thing is that like. You're saying, like, you know, it's unprecedented. Well, I guess it's, it's sort of precedented with the Spanish influenza. But, again, how long ago was that at this point? That was 100 years. Nobody who lived through a Spanish influenza is alive. Or maybe they're alive, but they're not contributing anything. My point maybe is... Other it, than, you know, other than maybe Joe Biden, who was 100 years old. My point is it's not part of our shared culture. Like, we're not taught... We don't have people telling stories about what happened during the Spanish influenza. We don't have, you know, this cultural memory bank for it. This really truly feels like we're just thrown out into the middle of something. No, it's, it's, it's totally something from the history books. It might as well be the fucking black plague. And okay, fine. I get it. People. if, If you've listened to this podcast before, if you listen to it again, Wear your goddamn mask. Like, follow the guidelines. Follow all the rules. Like, do whatever the fuck you got to right, do. Right. We're definitely anti Stefan Mahailu. Like, you know, like that fucker is trying to uh, resist all fucking shutdown type of goddamn nonsense. He literally tweeted, resist all shutdowns today. Or put on Instagram or maybe both it was all the social media. Resist all shutdowns. No, fuck you. Like, follow the shutdowns. But the problem is, is like, you can also criticize the shutdowns while following them. For sure. And look, like, yes, you can have informed discussions about these things without being a complete fucking asshole. But, I mean, f- that gets back to, I'm sorry, I'm sorry to interrupt no, you. No, please, that, let, let real, it rip. It, that gets back to the main problem with Republicans versus Democrats in this goddamn country. Is Democrats are willing to criticize each other, and it looks like infighting, and it's one of the reasons why they can't get anything done. Republicans are ever getting anything, get shit done? Well, as, as far as they want to get things done, most of what they do is nothing. and But that's what they want to get done, is to get nothing done. But that's, they never criticize each other. They all fall in fucking line, and they love each other like they're... Goddamn twins. 
I mean, that's a fair point. But the flip side, Jim, and this is actually going to be probably for my more our, our more liberal listeners who are probably Democrat, probably the majority of people listening to the show. So I hope you take this to heart and understand where I'm coming from, what place I'm coming from with this criticism. If I and again, I'm famously off social media, but I've been on it just here and there, and every other goddamn post is this grandstanding you know, mask shaming and, you know, it's because of you unknown person on my Facebook media feed who you're talking to that we're shut down. Like it's this just fucking grandstanding. These might be the same people who make posts about, you know, mental health and it's so important and blah, blah, blah. And I just don't disagree, obviously. But then the next post is like, well, it's because of you people that we're in the orange zone again and wear your mask and blah, blah, blah. Look, now is not the time. Now is really not the fucking time for this grandstanding bullshit. Uh, we don't need scolds right now. We don't need scolds. No. What we need more than anything is people who are being there for each other in a community. And even if it's a virtual community, I'm sorry. I don't want to hear how much better you are than other people because you wore a mask. I don't want to hear you read your post about fucking, you know, oh, well, all these assholes are the region we're in the orange zone. The reason we're in the orange zone is because the federal government had no fucking idea how to do anything about this pandemic. So we're going almost into a year of it where we have no planning, no idea. Everything's really haphazard. And you want to go and post on the internet about how shitty you're, you know, you saw somebody who had a mask below their nose at tops or something, and you want to post about it on Facebook, get a grip. No, I agree. It's, it's it, this, this individual responsibility that weaves its way through the American pathos is crazy because at the end of the day, like this should have been something where a hardcore federal government step in and said, everywhere a fucking mask nobody go fucking anywhere and everybody fucking stay home here's a couple grand a month don't worry about it right for a couple here's months. a couple grand a month and just shut the everything down and you know what we would still have a second wave i mean canada did essentially that and they just king cuomo apparently because he can do whatever he wants shut down fucking toronto i didn't know that but it <laughs> He, he overreached his bounds and he shut down Toronto for 28 days. How dare he? Uh, you know what? Take that, Trudeau. Well, maybe that's, that, that's what they get for not sending their basketball team to Buffalo. <laughs> that's true. Well, the, the flip side of this, though, is, again, I try to stay away from social media, but I, I can't resist. And I, I did see some A-plus memes. So got to hand it, got to hand it to the folks with the uh, the Andrew Cuomo memes going. Uh, any of you guys see anything anything pretty good that stand out to you? My favorite was there's one where it says, and uh, spoiler alert, Jim and I are big nerds. We both play Magic the Gathering, but there was there's one that says Magic the Gathering, and then it zooms in on Gathering, and then it shows Cuomo's face. <laughs> Giving a very stern look. Well, actually, and the, the Cuomo face of the giving the stern look is actually the, I, as I mentioned last week on the podcast, 
the sticker that you can get from Zoom copy of Andrew Cuomo's the top part of his head that you can put on your window sticker. Uh, so he's it, it, and they're selling it as the eleventh guest for your Thanksgiving party. Um, uh, I have seen and I kind of understand them. I kind of get them. One of the memes is uh, is the Eric Andre show. Oh yeah. Okay. Right where right. he, he turns me in one. No, no. Where he turns and he shoots Hannibal Burris. Oh, okay. And it's and it's you know local businesses is Hannibal Burris. <laughs> okay. And um and then when it, you know why would you do that? And then when it turns to Eric Andre, it's people not wearing masks. That's pretty good. Can we play uh, another Andrew Cuomo? Oh, can can we please? Please, please. All right. It's wrong. My advice on Thanksgiving, don't be a turkey. Well, you heard it here first, folks. Don't be a turkey on Thanksgiving. Hold on a second. Who are you calling turkey? Who are you calling turkey? Don't Don't be a turkey on Thanksgiving. Uh, no more than a ten-person gathering is the the current rule. Yeah, I mean, you know, a lot of the people who are complaining about the fact that they can't get together for Thanksgiving this year are the same people who complain about having to get together for family gatherings every every holiday. Anyways, it's true. But take take a year off. They just want to fucking whine and complain. Look, I'm happy to have a four-person Thanksgiving this year. Um, at most it would have been eight people, anyways. But fuck them. When they're not coming over. <laughs> Those particular four people. Those particular yeah. four people. Love them to death. Don't come over. Just just no interest in seeing you. Um, um, I mean, a 10-person Thanksgiving? That's still a lot of people. That's a lot of people. I mean, that, come on. I mean, you, that's, that's a big turkey. That's a lot of mashed potatoes. I mean, that's, that's more than five pounds of mashed potatoes. That's a lot of mashed potatoes. That is a lot of mashed potatoes. That's a lot of now gravy. I'm hungry. It's a lot of stuffing. Um, mashed potatoes. Man, if, by the way, if, if you get a chance, listeners, while they still have the special, Mike Subs in Kenmore is doing a Thanksgiving dinner sub. Turkey, oven roasted turkey with stuffing and cranberry mayo. Just get extra cranberry mayo. Yeah, got to get the extra cranberry mayo because if you just get the regular cranberry mayo, you're going to go, man, I should have got extra cranberry mayo. Yeah, and that sounds absolutely delicious. I'm it's, so so, it's so good. It's, it, it, it's so good. It's 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 uh, it's it's better than any relative I have. Oh, oh, hold on. Can we, can we? That reminds me of the time at the old place. Mm. You remember the old place, the, the old, old owner, the old place before Jay McCarthy owned it. Yeah, when, yeah, yeah. When, uh, when, when, uh, when Kenny owned it, Kenny owned it, and there was a waitress named Alice. Yes, Alice's restaurant, right? Mm-hmm. Fam- famous thing every Thanksgiving, right? On ninety seven Rock. Anyway, they'd have a what? What was it? A turkey dinner special? They had a turkey dinner special, which was every Thursday or something like yeah. that. And we would go. And no matter what you ordered, <laughs> no matter what I ordered, uh, uh, it was something different every time. No matter what I ordered, you you got the Thanksgiving dinner special. <laughs> no matter what I ordered, I got what I ordered. Yeah, 
<laughs> I I always got the correct and, meal. And and then she real the funny thing is she realized it after. She's like, "Oh, oh, you ordered the other thing." Well, you're okay with that, right? And I'm like, "Well, yeah, I guess so." <laughs> <laughs> I never complain. The the other story I, I love about her is uh uh I was there with my parents and my then girlfriend and my mother went to the bathroom and got locked inside. Oh, at the place. At the place. And they had, I mean, because they had, they didn't replace locks or things like that. Um, so she got locked in and she couldn't get out. And Kenny's yelling from the bar, just jiggle the handle. And Alice is there like leaning on the door, like, Treating my mother like she's probably drunk, which had she been literally any other patron of the place at that time, because it was it was Tom and Jerry season. Had she been literally any other patron of the bar, she would have been drunk. But my mom was not drinking because she was driving that night. She finally opens the door. And at that point, now everybody in the bar is staring at the door. And they applaud her as she opens it up. And I look at my mother's face, and she is just oh, no. fucking fuming. Oh, I just, I just turned to my father and said, I'll see you later. Because I knew that they were going. But Alice comes over to me afterwards and goes, had I known it was your mother, I wouldn't have treated her like that. <laughs> <laughs> Which, I mean, is... It's so amazing that she was like, like I, I will, I'll treat people like an asshole, but I like you, yeah, so like, I, w- I wouldn't have treated your mother like an asshole. <laughs> by, by the way, R.I.P. Tom and Jerry season this year. We're not going to have R.I.P. Tom and Jerry season. R.I.P. Yeah. the old place. And the old place. The old mm-hmm. place with Kenny. Because Kenny also felt bad that he was yelling at my mother, and that it was my mother, and then gave me like four free drinks, which for me at that time, I was drinking sidecars a lot. Well, I guess it worked out. Yeah. yeah. So I got, I got like $60 worth of cognac for, for you, not your mom. Right. You have yeah. my mom. She'll never go to the place again, even though it's been redone and they fixed the bathrooms. <laughs> well, and that's a gentle reminder, folks. Yes. Uh, your favorite bar and restaurant uh, is either closing, as is, as is the case of Essex, um, for who knows how long, Essex Street Pub on Rhode Island off of... Um, Richmond. Richmond in the Elmwood Village is, at least for the time being, closing. Uh, I know a lot of other bars and restaurants are, you know, pausing or doing the best they can. Uh, probably by the time this episode comes out, either it'll be right before Thanksgiving or maybe right after. But, you, you know, keep this in mind for Christmas because I don't think we're going anywhere. Uh, any no. kind of, any kind of, like, I know a lot of businesses are doing Thanksgiving dinner deals, like Billy Club. I think we're going to do Thanksgiving through Billy Club. Um, I know a lot of other restaurants have that going on. So, you know what? You're not going to see your friggin' families order out if you can afford it, if you can, you know, if you can support whatever business. Yeah, I, I ordered out last night. I got uh, some delicious wings from a place in Lancaster called Scoob's. It, the nice thing about ordering from Scoob's, or one of the things I liked about it, is that, and, and we did do this, we had it on, for $10, you could add on to your bill to buy a round for the kitchen. Oh, yes. So, I like that a lot. Yeah. So, I mean, we ordered, uh, my my nephew got a bacon mac and cheeseburger. My mother got beef and whack and wings, and I got 20 Carolina Gold sweet mustardy tangy barbecue wings um 
and but ten bucks to add to buy around for the the kitchen. If you if you live in Lancaster or even if you don't live in Lancaster, you live close and you might want to go to Scoob's. Spend the extra ten dollars, buy around for the bar. Hell yeah! Um, and then they've got pickup right outside, out the back door. They even have signs with numbers that you can call or text. You can just text them and say, "I'm here, bring me my food, bitch," and they, they will. And bitch, not in a derogatory term because of females, but because it's more of a business term. <laughs> no, please, please do support whatever businesses that you can right now because they sure as hell need it. Um, a lot of great, again, Thanksgiving deals. I'm sure there are going to be some awesome Christmas dinner deals as Fat well. Fat Bob's, I hear, has a Thanksgiving thing. Yeah, Fat Bob's. Fat Bob's. Fat Bob's has sold out of most of the Thanksgiving yeah. stuff, oh, which okay. is good for them. Great. Um, but, you know, like, you know, friend of the pod, black sheep, buy everything oh, you can from them. Absolutely. Buy as much stiffy, sticky toffee pudding as you possibly goddamn can. Yes. Yeah. And like I said, we're doing uh, Billy Club. That place is friggin' awesome, too. Billy Club is so good. Yeah. Um, Make sure you buy dra- A lot of these places, too, are selling drinks with that as well. So I know Billy Club has done this in the past. I'm pretty sure you can do it here where you can just get like a jug of cocktails mixed. Like you get a, a whole bottle of old-fashioned mixed up and, you know, drink from that. So do that. Like, do, you're not yeah. going anywhere. Right. You're not going anywhere. You're not going anywhere the day after Thanksgiving. You're going to watch the Cowboys and Lions lose. Right. You're going to be miserable. You're going to be hungover. You're going to be alone. So, you know, might as well eat good food and, and support the community. It won't be the Bills beating the Cowboys this year. So it won't, it won't, be, it won't, it won't be, be as the, great. So, hey, do we have another Cuomo clip? We do. The uh, Well, it may... It, by now, it's probably famous. The cheesecake clip. Oh, oh we're man, talking about uh, food. We're talking about dessert. <laughs> yes. You wouldn't have a weight problem. It's all self-imposed. And just to make it very simple, if you socially distanced and you wore a mask and you were smart, none of this would be a problem. It's all self-imposed. It's all self-imposed. If you didn't eat the cheesecake, you wouldn't have a weight problem. It's Yep, all self-imposed. Yeah, yeah, I mean... Besides the fact that we've got some fat shaming going on there from our governor. Um, and I can't imagine, like, New York State as a whole is probably in better shape than, like, Mississippi. Physically. What, what do you mean? In terms of COVID or obes- obesity? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Just this attitude. Yeah. Like... All, all, I don't even, I'm just so tired of this guy. It's the cheesecake. Yeah, you, you ate too much cheesecake, and all of a sudden we all got fucking coronavirus. Right. That's, if only you could control yourself. Well, and that's, and that's been, honestly, that has been the policy, both from the federal government and just moving on down. Like, there's no concerted response, like, hey, we need to shut everything down and pay people to stay at home. It's, well, well, you ate the cheesecake. You didn't wear your mask hard enough. You didn't use your hand sanitizer enough. And, well, this is uh, this is what you get. Folks, I just can't help taking my fucking mask off in public. I can't help it. I'm addicted to taking right, my yeah, mask it, off. It, right. I can't wait to breathe on somebody. Ugh. I mean, ever since college, 
I love to go find a stranger, just jump on them, knock them to the ground, yes. and breathe right into just their face. Just breathe into their face. Right. I love it. Especially after eating garlic knots. Ugh. Yeah. No, it's, it is what it is. If your only takeaway from this episode is just to be a little bit more gentle and a little bit more kind and a little bit more understanding, then please do that. It's We're going through it. Everybody's going through it right now. And this fucking attitude of, well, you ate the cheesecake is not going to get us to the other side of this resembling anything that looks like humanity. Where it comes from is understanding and saying, hey, how many fucking people do I know who are struggling with this because this is unprecedented Mm -hmm. and this sucks and we're going into, you know, we're in the orange zone for God knows how long. And even the reports of the yellow zone, like there was a, I saw on WGRZ.com that there was a small, not substantial, but small dip in positive rates in the orange zone, but that there was a huge jump in the yellow zone of positive cases. So this could be like expanding even more. So Mm -hmm. just, you know who I feel bad uh, for re who's that Jim Mark Poland cars. Oh, we haven't even talked about the the protests that Ryan was well, at. Well, we we haven't talked about the protests that Ryan was at, but I feel bad for Mark Poland cars because um he's getting a lot of shit about closing down the county and he really has no goddamn say in it. It's true. I mean, this is being dictated to him by the state. And he just has to enforce it with the Department of Health and the Cary County Sheriffs, which sometimes he has some trouble enforcing it. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yeah, yes, he does. Uh, what was that thing at the, the gym? At the gym in Orchard Athletes Park. Unleashed. Athletes Unleashed. Athletes Unleashed, yeah. Uh, where the Erie County Sheriff's Office and the Department of Health came in to break up a meeting of business owners. And, uh, well, clearly these business owners were white. Because they ushered the sheriffs and the Department of Health out of the building because it was private property and they, they didn't want them there. And I got to tell you, it had Athletes, Athletes Unleashed been on Jefferson, I don't think that they would have had the same ability to just usher the Erie County Sheriff's Office out of their building. I would agree with that. Yeah, you might be onto something there. I I, I mean... Call me crazy, but uh, it's it's insane that in Orchard Park, um, where there's probably more thin blue line flags than there are American flags hanging up, um, that they wouldn't listen to the, I mean, the party of law and order would not listen to law and order. Um, but I still feel bad for goddamn Mark Poland cars. And... I don't necessarily always have a lot of sympathy for polling cars for polo, um, you know, because yeah, he, he does a lot of his own work, but in this particular case with, with COVID, he's just responding to what the governor is handing down what the federal government's not handing down. And he's trying to make the best of it. No, he, I mean, to his credit, I'm not always his biggest fan um, in different circumstances, but he seems to at least try his best to, you know, follow all these crazy guidelines and, and try to guide the county through it. And, okay, you're fine to protest and do whatever the hell you want. That's fine. You know, I know there the, the protest outside his house, 
I get it. There are so which I like today. By the way, uh, I saw him tweet um, that they went. In, some of them were protesting outside his old house that he hasn't lived in for ten years, and the 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 old neighbors had to come out and say, you know, he hasn't lived here for more than a decade. Awesome. Uh, so if, if that was able to disperse them. Um, but apparently some people had poor information and, and instead of showing up on Delaware Avenue, showed up on wherever he doesn't live anymore. As it pertains to COVID, he's doing the, doing the best he can with the budget he has, the tax revenue he has right now. And, I mean, it's uh, the nature of the game, right? Yeah. Like we want to hold politicians accountable. Sure. Like, okay. Like that, that's what's got to happen is protests. But I don't know. I, I don't think that there's anything that he's who, done. Is who worth- would be doing better during, well, during this thing? I don't think there's anything that he's done that, yeah, you're right, Ryan. Who who would be doing better right now? How could you be doing this better than what he's been doing? Right. You want to protest the shutdown? Don't go and protest at the corner of Delaware and Delavan and walk down to Mark Polonkar's, uh house. That Go protest outside the state building. Yes. Go protest where it, they're around the people who are making the fucking decisions. You know, drive to fucking Albany. Because if because if you are going to protest the lockdown, you probably don't care about the no travel rules. So you might as well fucking drive to Albany and protest there. Indeed. Well, guys, I think we went a little longer than anticipated. I, but I think we did okay today. I think we did all right. A little bit of a rant session. No, fuck you. I got money. I got lots of shit to say about these fuckers. <laughs> I got to tell you, tell me that I can only have 10 people at a fucking meeting. That's not even enough for a football team. <laughs> all right, all right. That's, that's one relief pitcher for my baseball team. Yeah, you live your truth. That's right, yeah. Me and uh, what you're saying, 10 per- person. Me and the starting lineup for the Buffalo Bisons, and that's it. I can't have the manager there. I can't have one fucking yeah, relief yeah. pitcher there. I can't have the Earl of Bud there with me. <laughs> oh, yes. Well, we, we're getting this all out of our system now before Thanksgiving because hopefully, you know, the that sweet, sweet trip to Fan will hit. And, mm-hmm. you know, no matter what happens, maybe you're not at home or with your families or whatever, but you could still be on the couch or in your own chair and you just conk out, man. Just you, just, you just got that cornucopia full of gourds and fucking corn yes. and fruits and, and it's just going to... You're, you're going to eat... Hopefully you're like me and you're going to eat more mashed potatoes than you probably should. Oh yes, I, I, you know I, I I've got an idea. I we're not gonna we don't say who we have coming up on future episodes anymore because we got in trouble for that. But I'll tell you right now, coming up soon, maybe not the next episode, but soon, we're having an Irish person on, and they eat more potatoes than I do. I'll tell you that right now. I I'm a <laughs> I'm a stuffing person. You're you're half Irish, so you I'm, probably eat a lot of potatoes. I do, I do, and I I'm a stuffing person as well. I just love bread and just give me all the bread you can get in stuffing form so i'm gonna eat a lot of food regardless of whether i'm or not i'm at a gathering of 10 people or less i did a uh maybe like eight eight or nine years ago i did a uh, thanksgiving dinner for uh misfits i was executive director of a nonprofit at the time and i had uh, an AmeriCorps member, and I invited other AmeriCorps members over who weren't from the Buffalo area who couldn't go home for Thanksgiving. 
and had a, a Thanksgiving dinner. And I, I made stuffing with sage sausage and, um, uh, what's it called? Uh, anise. Really? Yes. Interesting. Um, that, that had to have been a flavor explosion. Oh, it was so good. It was it was, it was a flavor explosion, and I, I also made a I made a lot of things I found in Bon Appetit, which were way too fancy for people who didn't make money. <laughs> well, on that note, Jim, I'm fucking starving, so I'm going to yeah. call this a wrap. Yeah, let's call it a wrap. All right, have a good week, everyone. Take care. We'll see you next week. Yeah, Happy see you next Thanksgiving. Week.